Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number 175. We're inside of a beehive. Oh. No. Ah, ah. But I, <laughs> I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin, joined by... I'm Blue Rider, and I'm in the wasp nest instead. Uh, I'm James Pelster, and I have a phobia of bees. Uh... I'm Nicholas Cajun. No, no, the bees. Oh, no, oh, they're stinging me. I'm Alex the Jedi Jedrzejczyk. <laughs> Jedditor in Jedditor in chief. Yeah. Jedditor in beef. Wait. Oh, Jedditor in beef. Yeah. Yeah. No, because not... the the B, the F really just ruins it. Yeah. Doesn't it? it was worth it. Oh well. Um. Okay. Bees are animals. And animals are mm, like Pokemon. I mean, and you know what yeah. else is like Pokemon? You, you know, pals from Pal World, pe- according to the internet. Yeah, people keep debating on whether it's like Pokemon or not. The thing that I keep seeing in defense of it is that it's not actually like Pokemon. It just has Pokemon-like creatures. Yeah. I... The video game, you mean? Yeah. Video game. Yeah, I would agree that from everything that I've seen and from talking with Blue, who has actually played this video game, rare on the podcast for someone to be playing the video game mm. that we're talking about mm. in the opening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, aside from the fact that there are several animal-like creatures with some cutesy eye faces, uh, and you throw balls at them to add them to your team, there's not a whole lot that is very similar between the two games. Would you say that, Blue? Uh, yeah, that's about right. I mean, like, it's like Breath of the Wild, I guess. I haven't played much of that, but Pokemon Arceus is supposed to be like that, and less like the other Pokemon games. So Pal World's more like Legends Arceus. And less like other Pokemon games. But like Pal World's genre, as I would call it, would be like craft survival. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like is like there's different spectrums along that, along like the craft to survival to like adventure. Like Yeah. From what I understand it's like Arc Survival Evolved if <laughs> it didn't hate you and wanted you to have at least a little bit of fun. <laughs> and if dinosaurs were cute. Hmm. Which is, yeah, a lot so, like Pokemon, actually. <laughs> the, this has swarmed up into a very strangely large controversy. Uh, I my opinion is that this this is basically this these are, this is actually an ongoing war that is just having a new phase. And it's a war that started with what is commonly referred to as Dexit. Which is when they Pokemon stopped putting every single Pokemon in every single video game, and people got like had a war about it online, basically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same people, like not everybody, but like the fueling of the aggressive fire. I feel like is the same people. <laughs> hmm, that's an interesting connection. I would I I would not have thought that there would be a connection there, but I guess in the it, it's in the sense of if I'm understanding your meaning right, it's that it's the people who are still upset at Pokemon Company for doing the things. Like yeah, like are actively upset at Pokemon Company for many, if not all, of the decisions that they're making and the things that they're doing and the products that they're creating. 
and are like, we and could do this better. Here's our Pokemon <laughs> game that's legally distinct. Like, I would, I would contrast that against, like, someone who, like, did not like the direction that Pokemon is going at any point and, like, stopped playing the video games. And if you asked them, they would have a lot of complaints. But if you didn't talk to them about it, they wouldn't say anything. I see. Whereas active people are like, I don't like Pokemon and everyone on the internet needs to Anti-Pokemon activists. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That is actually a really good way to frame it. And then because on the other side, there is like Pokemon activists, like people who are like defending. It's like, guys, I also like still enjoy these video games, but also like. Calm yeah, we, down we, a little bit, basically, please. This is a little... Yeah. People just... People should... Uh, generally, I think the the Game Cola official PR response is, can we just calm down a little bit, guys? <laughs> why you have to be mad? Just yeah, why you have to be mad? Why you have to be mad? It's only game. <laughs> so, like, another element to this is that, like, I feel like... They're, like, you have... Because you basically have people who, like, have played the game and people who haven't played the game. And they've already created their own information bubbles mm-hmm. because, like, the whole thing is, like, about plagiarism. There's also an element of AI, but as far as I can tell, the only thing about AI is that some people think the that they're somehow AI-generated. But the only piece of evidence I've seen to that point, aside from, like, look at it, is uh, that one of the main developers used to work for a company that did AI, which is very broad. And I don't know, mm-hmm. like, even if it was, like... He worked at a company that generated AI 3D models. I don't think that would be enough evidence in isolation to really follow that, especially because when you look at these, they look like they don't look like something that was generated. The vast majority of them look like either original monsterish designs or like someone looked at a Pokemon or a couple Pokemon and thought, let's, let's, you know, put a spin on this. Yeah. And I would say like there's like. Maybe a, a hundred to a hundred and fifty of these things, right? I don't know, Blue, if you know exactly. One hundred and fifty-one. I don't think it was one hundred fifty-one. I think it's like slightly less than that, but I don't know the number. It's it's in that it's in that ballpark. I would say of those, there's about like a hundred and forty-five <laughs> range from like purely original to I can see where the inspiration came from, and then there's like four or five. That was like one part of this is clearly lifted directly from a Pokemon Hmm. and your tolerance for that varies. But like if you haven't played the game, you're basically seeing those five like over and over again. Yeah. Or maybe like 10 because people have different metrics of like what they would consider copying. Um, I'd say there's probably like five that I would consider egregious and 10 that I have seen people consider egregious. But like the it's not like they just copied all of it for Pokemon, right? Like, it's right. It's a subset where, like, there's one where it's, like, that face is either directly, in, like, there's, like, I think it's either Galarian Meowth or the Perserk or the Evolution, where it's, like, that face is, like, exactly the same. Like, either you ripped the model or you traced it, and it's, yeah. like, down to the detail. Mm-hmm. Like, that's egregious. There's, like, one piece of hair that's, like, clearly copied from like and it's like not just oh it looks like hair it's like no the curves are all in the same place they're slightly elongated so it's like not a direct model import but like the structure of it is exactly the same like you would not have gotten here if you did not we're not looking specifically at this yeah. model and i mean there are elements like that but again it's only like five so it's not like if you're playing the game like these elements would not be pervasive to you you, you would probably not and notice if i might chime in real quick 
I I also feel like perhaps the number of Pokemon games and the number of Pokemon, consequently, is also a factor in why people think this looks so derivative. Because mm. I also think that this has just been an argument that has been used against like some of the more recent Pokemon games, like a lot of them. I think going back as far as Gen 6 or Gen 5, people were saying, man, Pokemon's just copying themselves. Like... That they were saying, like, some Pokemon look like ripoffs or something like that. Like, like, well, and, and I just wonder well, if the sheer number of, would be... I, I just wonder if the sheer number of Pokemon that are out there mean that, I don't know, it's just so crazy easy for you to see similarities between things now. Yeah. I would I would agree with that in principle. Um, I would also just say for, like, Gen 5, like, Gen 5, they very did specifically, like, like their goal was we're doing all new Pokemon for this region and we're like they would explicitly like this is the the Zubat of this yes. region is Woobat. Like yeah. that yes. was that was sort of an, an intentional version of right. that. Yeah, um part of my confusion is that like people are acting like this game is has not a single creative bone in its body, unlike Pokemon, which is the most creative thing ever. Right. Right, guys? Yeah. Seal? Seal is mm-hmm. original idea. <laughs> yeah. I do did, I do absolutely want to do a video, if, if I ever got the gumption to put it together, where it's like one of those tier lists, but it's both the the pals and then the first 151 oh, Pokemon. I would do that and like with you. design tier list. Yeah, of like, because there are there are a lot of stinkers in Gen One. Mm-hmm. There are also a couple stinkers in Pal World. I will say, yeah. sure, but like um, people just looking at acted it. like, oh, the Pokemon's doing ice cream now. It's all gone downhill mm-hmm. since the yeah. earlier generation. Po- this Pokemon is a literal bag of trash. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Chavis, I will say, I think good. the Pokemon designs have been fairly quality consistent i think the design principles have changed and so like there are certain aesthetics that people like more of like the older games versus newer games like just in general because there's more graphical fidelity pokemon have more detail in general like that's one thing but like i feel like the the artistry like the quality of the artistry has been maintained in terms of the Pokemon designs, because that's the stuff that they have to sell and make a bunch of money on. The video games they've given up on, <laughs> like they'll they'll sell them, but like that's not where their that's not where their eyes are. Their eyes yeah. are anime and merch and cards, and so they they put the focus. They definitely put the artistic focus. I, I think I've also said this before. Like, which artists are joining the Pokemon team to make a tree that looks good? Right, mm-hmm. like. Who's no, who's applying never. for that job? That's not going to happen. <laughs> right? So, but again, like, a lot of the PAL World designs, like, there are some, especially some, uh, like, barring someone coming out and saying, like, oh, no, they just stole from a bunch of other places that you didn't know about. A lot of the designs are good and original. Like, there's definitely creativity there. Uh, but it, it, there's also an element of... Like, once you find a, even just, like, one instance of, like, pretty direct, if you want to call it plagiarism, you can call it plagiarism. Apparently, where the line in plagiarism is drawn in 3D art communities is also, like, a fairly contentious point because there's not a clear analog to something like tracing in, that you have for 2D art. 
So apparently that's a subset of this controversy that's fueling things of 3D artists arguing with each other about this concept in general. One, yeah, once you have one instance of plagiarism, it's just it brings in a focus on similarities that even like would originally have been just considered coincidences and people just get in general people just get set a lot harder on that like i i really feel like if there were like 10 of the most if you took out 10 of the most egregious examples i feel like the conversation would be very different about yeah. this and i'm again like i because like the, the next element of this is that like which was kind of funny with the, i was reading all these like trying to figure things out about this and there are all these people saying well like if if pokemon if it was plagiarism, the Pokemon would have already sued them and taken their game down. Look at this mod that they took down immediately. Look at this thing. It's like, first of all, the things they're taking down immediately are things that are like calling themselves Pokemon. Yeah, there's, <laughs> Slightly there's different. No... It's a little bit easier, a little bit more. Yeah, like it's, it's kind of an open and shut thing. And it's they're not like yeah. actively like, yeah, like Pal World. It is legally distinct enough that it's very likely that <laughs> Nintendo would need to like actually genuinely consult and like work with stuff and figure yeah. stuff out. Although that being said, I've also seen videos in my recommended feed on YouTube saying, you know, like you know, sort of clickbaity things like why Nintendo can't sue Pal World. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm you like, you, you don't I, know. I do not believe <laughs> that you, that, that, never say never, my friends. You might be right, but you don't yeah, know. you don't know that. <laughs> it is very weird that they, like, have targeted, like, the actual Pokemon mods and stuff, and, but, like, that there is so slow going on Hal World, if it's as blatantly easy to shut them down as the internet wants me to yeah. believe. Yeah, it's definitely not blatant, right? Like this, my prediction, right, if anything happens, because I think I think there's two avenues of this. One avenue is, look, it's not worth the bad PR. You, Some people may think Pokemon cares about bad PR. No, they but don't. But like, there could be like, the, the, the effort involved in this is not worth it. We'll just let it be. It's fine. Even if they even if they thought it was plagiarism, they could still say it's not worth yeah. the effort. Like, that's the thing with like fan art, right? Like, a lot of fan art for a lot of companies is technically illegal. Like, it's technically copyright infringement. But like, the return on investment in pursuing that sort of thing just isn't worth it to people, to companies. Yeah. And so it, it's effectively legal because nobody cares. Right. So that's one avenue. I feel like, though, the strongest that you'd actually see would be, like, Nintendo basically saying, hey, look, here's a list of these guys. Make some changes, right? Because none of the... There's only one that I've seen that is that is even argued to be, like, just a full-on copy. The others are, like, mostly original and then, like, one key design element that is complex enough to look very much deliberately like lifted from something yeah like a fin or a face and then or a or a piece a hair model and just say look just change that element on that one and we're good i also wonder if something like this has already happened because something i didn't realize until i, I was watching some videos about this is that in the trailer there is one pal that looks like a recolored Luxray. It's like, it oh, would be I the, remember the that. most, it's not in the game. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it, it's in mm -hmm. the code. And it, 
but it's not in the and, video and game. And this is also not like this game did it just came out recently, but this game has been in the works for quite some time. I remember hearing yeah. I remember hearing news about it as the whole, you know, oh, it's Pokemon but with guns. Be, like yes. over oh, we a year ago. We were talking about this. Yeah. It's, it's, it was we were talking about actually it, it uh the first trailer dropped before uh, the whole generative AI thing yeah. really—that's another—was yeah. used to any real extent. So, yeah. and a lot of like the main in my playtime, like the main ones I've caught and seen more of are ones that were in the original like poster. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that that one is not in the game, which like either is. They, like, thought, like, ah, actually, this may be not as a good idea. Or Nintendo said, like, hey, guys, we saw your trailer. You can keep the trailer up. Can't have that guy. You either have to change him or get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Too close. And they've already had that conversation. Um, that could eventually lead to, and I don't know how many of the ones that are now considered egregious were in the earlier trailers. I'd have to go back and watch. Um, but, like, it could be that all of these particularly egregious ones are ones that weren't in the trailers. And so, like, you could make the argument there that, like, that's why they weren't brought up earlier, because I would, I think you could confidently say that any in in that scenario, right? If they, if they, if Nintendo said, "Hey, you can't do the Luxray clone," but then didn't say anything about any of the other ones, then you could argue that everything that's in a trailer is clear. Yeah. And so then the question would be, what about stuff that's not in the trailer? But again, I really think that the strongest that you'd get is. Them saying, like, change the design, like, change these particular elements of these designs. And then it would be up to Power World to say whether or not they wanted to change it or just get rid of yeah. it. Because, like, they meant, like, I could certainly see, like, them saying, like, hey, change, you can keep this Luxray guy, but you've got to change it in some way. And they're just like, ah, the game's not even out. Let's just drop this one. Yeah. Blue, I feel like you've played the video game. The proportion of play the video game to talking about the video game is stacked against you right now. Uh, what are some things you would like to say about Power World? Um, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, it is. It's a bunch of other games squished together and not done poorly, which I don't know. I, people say is really lazy, but like. It could very easily have been complete garbage, and it's not. Mm-hmm. And, like, it feels like a lot of people believe that, like, there was no passion or heart that went into it, and that just really isn't true at all. And I, I don't know. I think that the trailer did a good like it was a double edged sword in that it was a very clear pitch great hype generator a, w- a way to get shared around so that everybody knew about this game but also like sort of implied a lack of care and sincerity that isn't is, actually reflected in the when game, you play game when you play it's like un it's very surprisingly earnest like You'd expect it to be, to go all in and be like, huh, look at how we're Pokemon but dark. Look at how edgy we are. But it's like not at all. Hmm. Well, it, a little bit, but in a sincere way. Like it doesn't, those parts just sort of come up as part of the world rather than like uh, in your face kind of thing. And it's. And it's far. As I can tell, they're fairly optional, right? Yes. Like you can, you I can did do, not like, violent and messed up, quote-unquote, things. But, like, it's not, like, 
uh, a game like uh, that one PETA Pokemon game where they're like, look at this, look at the, look at that, look at yeah. what you've done. It's not like it's, not, it's like, not like that. It's not reveling in it. It's not setting up scenarios where like you have to engage with the sort of potentially quote unquote messed up. I'm a real messed up guy uh, <laughs> kind of vibe, right? It's just an option, right? Yeah. And so like, yeah, I think I think you put it well, right? It's surprisingly earnest. But the problem was is that the trailer was good at sh- at like creating something shareable, but also suggested a lack of earnestness that I think people are assuming without having played the video game. And that's sort of coloring their idea. I, I, again, like especially with like obviously like I think that's even why like you, you see these claims of AI because I think people associate that not with like a logical sort of thing, but like an emotional thing of like this idea of devaluing the earnestness of art, right? Like in a lot of ways, just a straight up AI generated image is about as least earnest an artistic thing as you can get Mm -hmm. (laughs) in some, in some metrics. And so like, there's a conflation with a lack of earnestness and, this weird AI art culture that I think got tied up and I like unpredictable for Pal World, right? Like, again, like you said, like the conceit of this game was well before that vibe was even present. And so I think there's a bit of a reactionary uh, aspect to that in when you think about sub- it's easy to get riled up about subjects like AI and plagiarism, even if they're unearned from the game in some respects because it's such a hot topic for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially in creative spaces. Yeah. Um, I think there's also a little bit of good old-fashioned jealousy, right? You see a game that doesn't have a lot of polish in certain aspects. It's early access or early release or beta or whatever, some variation of that. And people have like, well, why didn't my early action... Early, early action, that's college. <laughs> um, <laughs> early access... Uh, game, you know, didn't get the didn't get attention. All oh, it just like there's an uh, like like anything indie that's popular. Like even the good indie games, like there's an element of luck of like getting noticed in the first place, right? There's universes where like these things just didn't get shared, um, or it didn't you know it didn't make it to the right person's YouTube feed, and things get very different, right? Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of things about in video games where it's like not about how good your game is all the time. I think that that seeds a lot of opportunity to be kind of upset when something gets somewhere and it feels like it wasn't earned. That's definitely like an element of the discussion that you see. And then there's also the other side too of like people are just like, ha, look at big video game company. I like small video game company game better than big video game company game. Therefore, I am better person. Because I don't like big company. I like small company. Except in this situation, somehow the big company is the morally correct one. And And then we actively (laughs) incite and message the big company, which is known for taking down fan projects, and say, hey, please take this down. And like, that just, I still find it ridiculous that Nintendo, for those who don't know, had to put out a statement saying, we have received numerous reports about this game, Power World. We are looking they didn't, into They didn't it. mention they didn't the actual game. Oh, they didn't? Okay. But, like, everybody knows. Everybody knows. 
Yeah, but basically, but, uh, they, just to be clear, they did not make a call out post on their Twitter. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, but they basically had to say yes. We know that this game exists. Stop messaging us about it because clearly people like I don't know. I, it sounds to me like people I, were. I also wonder if you were saying that there's like just some old fashioned jealousy of you know. Well, why didn't you know? I'm upset at this indie game because my indie game didn't do well. But I also or, feel or like I would say like like an indie game that I like. Right. Yeah. The right? indie like, game that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Not not necessarily on like a developer's part, but on a fan's part. Mm-hmm. But like. In that it's kind of there's there's just this negative feedback loop of people saying, oh, look at this game that's doing things better than Pokemon. And then there's a bunch of people who are upset at those people being all, you know, up, you know, kind of, oh, ha, ha, look at my game that I like that does something better than this game that you enjoy. And so they go, aha, I'm going to try and destroy this thing that you enjoy. And so it just turns into a big, into a big awful, just negative feedback loop where everyone wants to take away things that other people enjoy. I, I will say two points because I agree about the emails, James. But also, as soon as Pokemon releases a new game with new Pokemon, you know absolutely that people like the Pal World stands are gonna be like. Oh, look at this Pokemon. It looks like a Power Pokemon. It's plagiarism. And the first people are going to be doing that as like a joke. They're going to be like, uh-huh, I remember when you got fun. like a big, made a big deal out of this. <laughs> yeah. And then there's going to be people who like see those tweets, see those YouTube videos, see those jokes and are like, take it, take it 100% literally and seriously and get super upset. Like, yeah. look, Pokemon plagiarize. You don't even care. You don't even care. Yeah. No, like, it's yeah. just as tenuous and then, as a thing. Yeah. And it's, we're going to re again, as soon as Gen 10 comes out, we're going to rehash this. Yeah. Thing we, I, I bet you we are. And then I can't wait for Power World to put out an official statement. We have been aware of, maybe aware of numerous rumorous reports of this game by a certain company that appears to have creatures similar to ours. I don't, I don't think that. No, I don't happen. honestly believe that that would no, happen. But if it, it did, I, it would it be would hilarious. Be funny. It would be very it would be funny. funny. I would appreciate it if they did that, right? Like, that would be, that would be like a fun... That would be funny. I think it would be very difficult for them to pull off with like it would clear have to clearly be a joke, and yeah. I don't know if it would like since it's a company that there is some legal weight behind that. Like you could get into like uh yeah yeah you could and, and it could also just be very much like taken the wrong way. It's like you you would have to word that very very carefully, and even then you're right there could be yeah some it's probably not worth it, but it's funny to think about yeah um, <laughs> a little bit yeah okay I um, think that's I guess just. Uh, don't plagiarize. Uh, mm-hmm. hire character designers. Uh, but also calm down a little bit. <laughs> yes, that's agreed. Good... That's enough palling around for this podcast. Now we're all enemies. Mm. Yay! And we're gonna talk about what Game Cola Superfan Lotad suggested in the Discord. I remember um, that? Which is. Like, I, I, I don't know if I quite got, like, I, I know the vibe that Lotad is talking about. Here, let me, let me read it. That's, that's a thing that people do. You're allowed to read this sort of thing mm-hmm. on a podcast without it being like... We just can't look stuff up on the internet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can read stuff that fans say. Games mm-hmm. with updated releases. Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn, Mario 3D World plus Bowser Fury, etc. Uh... The recent announcement of that Sonic Generations re-release got me thinking about that. Uh, it, the, what Lotad is talking about is there's like a Sonic 
Generations X shadow thing where there's like a shadow, the hedgehog element to a Sonic Generations. I, I didn't know if it was a straight up remake or if it was like a like a sort of sequel. It looks like a remake to me, which is weird. With like an extra shadow campaign. Yeah, like more like yeah, like like honestly not a remake, but yeah, like an expanded re-release because like I don't yeah. even know like I don't even know if it it could be qualified as a remake at this point because it's still a relatively new game. Wasn't that like 2015? Or something. I mean, that's almost a decade oh, ago. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, it's got to be earlier than yeah, that. Yeah, wait. This is a Nintendo. Oh, is a Nintendo oh no. Oh, no. Nintendo oh, Wii no. Game. I'm having an existential crisis. It was a late Wii game. So, like, I, but it's got to be, like, 2010, 2011, I feel like. I thought Maybe Sonic Generations was a Wii U game. No, I'm pretty sure it was a Wii game. Uh, it may have come out on Wii I'm sorry, Joe. I'm looking stuff up on Wikipedia on the podcast. Just don't read it out loud, but you can look up when this video game came out because it's relevant. Oh, no, it is. It's else. 2011. Uh, ha! Got it. Uh, Nailed it. What? Nailed it. Ever, my life is a lie. that long ago. What? How? How is the game? How has it been out for that long? So it is interesting, though, because this is I like it's kind of funny that as hardware has been like improvements to video game hardware has becoming becoming more and more like uh, diminishing returns, right? Like the difference between an NES and an SNES game is wild. And the difference between like a Wii U game and a Switch game is like noticeable, but it's not like crazy. Yeah. So you would think that like the remake would mean less, but we're getting more of it. I guess just because I think a lot of stuff has become more standardized. So, like, porting to a new console, like a new generate console generation, is probably easier than it used to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there is just a uh, a monetary aspect of, like, how many people are going to go buy a Wii game and play it on a Wii, but they will play the same game if you sold it to them on a Switch. Mm. Right. right. No, that, that it makes financial sense, but, like, the question is, like, why why they only, like, surely people would have figured that out earlier, right? And, like, we did have it to an extent, right? Like, you have Super Mario All-Stars, right? Like, which is kind of an early version of this, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think you're right, is that um, a lot of stuff would have had to have been, like, rewritten just completely from scratch and, like, all of the graphics completely reformatted, which is basically what happened with, you know, Super Mario All-Stars. Actually, mm-hmm. um, here's the funny thing about that. I, I don't mean to derail you, but that in particular topic, my understanding is that the the Super Nintendo uh, actually has a processor that is backwards compatible with the NES, so a significant chunk of the original code could be completely reused for Super Mario All-Stars, specifically. So- Actually, that's interesting that you say that because um, I was surprised to find out, I don't know if you remember, I was talking about, um, I was replaying Metal Slater Glory, mm-hmm. and the weird thing about the Super Nintendo remake is that it's just the NES game. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you're right, because I was like surprised that it was like literally exactly the same. Yeah. And um, did, sorry, go go ahead there. I just have a point after that. Oh, attack on. Yeah, no, no, no. Just that, like, you're correct. Um, I, I would not be surprised to find out that there was some kind of some, you know, uh, emulator built in within. But then I would think you would see more NES games ported to the SNES, right? 
Yeah. That's yes, um, like that's see, the question. Right? That's that's actually what I was going to talk about is that that there is a ROM hacker who goes by the username Infidelity who has been for the last couple years porting NES games to the Super NES. And mm. his most uh his most popular work at this point is the original Metroid being ported to SNES because uh, whereas most of his previous works were just straight ports on basically unchanged although the main things he had to rewrite were the audio stuff because the Super Nintendo has a very very different audio yeah. engine yeah, yeah, and yeah. of course the graphics are also different but the a lot of the code for the most part there needs to be some changes but a lot of the code can sort of kind of be reused. Um, and so for the Super Nintendo port of Metroid, he actually added an in-game map and status screen and other interesting mm. features using some of the, the power of the Super Nintendo. Like, I think they're, they may use a Mode 7 for the, for the map mm. or something like that. Interesting. So No, I guess um, I, I, I do think there's a bit of it like um, what Joe was saying. Well the deal with like porting an old game you kind of get to that point of like uh what was it that the guy said what you guys don't have phones yeah <laughs> um, or or any any you of the commentary phones, about like who what was it um that it wouldn't be like ps3 compatible or something like that they they wouldn't be backwards compatible because who would want to play like a ps4 game right yeah and it's like those are still recent games yeah, or whatever I, I don't remember which era it was that somebody said that but like back then i think that was actually a bigger deal and and like in, in a way it makes sense is like going from the nintendo to the super nintendo who would want to play a nintendo game right other than me yeah. um and <laughs> yeah and but then so like but then even yeah. like, you know, if we're talking kind of mid mid to late 2000s or early or like, you know, early to mid 2010s, they were still making some games with ports for the PlayStation 2 because yeah. the PlayStation 2 was just that popular. And in some cases, the PlayStation 2 version was just a completely different game because the power difference between those generations of console was so great that they literally couldn't fit the game onto PlayStation mm -hmm. 2 hardware, and they just had to make something that was kind of sort of the same. I remember a little bit, yeah. actually, um, Sonic Unleashed on the Wii was a was a very different game than Sonic Unleashed on the PS3 and Xbox 360 for that same reason, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, there was, I mean, even, like, for games in the same console generation, like, Nintendo 64, PlayStation era, like, mm. I feel like that was another era where there were, like, very significant differences, whereas, like, once you got into, like, GameCube, PS2, Xbox era, cross-platform ports were a lot more standardized, Yeah, and it was easier. I wonder if it's just, like, it's always been a good idea, and it's just taking, like, various different events to, like, build up the infrastructure in the main three players... Or like like you said, like with the PS2, like everybody had a PS2. It was the best-selling console of all time in its time and for a while after that. Yeah. And so like when you got the PS3, it's like, well, there's still a lot of people at PS2, so it's worth it. And then with Nintendo, I think, you know, the thing that really started it with Nintendo was going from the Wii to the Wii U to the Switch with the big drop in like, you know, household acceptance of the Wii U. Yeah, there were a lot of games that like people on the Wii U just like didn't play, and yeah. they're like having that gap there gave an excuse. I mean, like the best right. selling, the best selling Nintendo Switch game is still 
Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is exactly <laughs> this thing that Lotad is talking about. This game yeah. that's just like old game with extra content, and it's a Wii U game. Yeah. And so I think it could just be like this has always been a good idea, but it's taken certain events for the sort of the, – the issue has been that like getting the systems in place to like mm. facilitate that. Ooh. There's been like an opportunity cost involved with that, and then certain elements of how the gaming industry has evolved over time has gotten enough people over the hump that now it can just become quote unquote a thing. And right now, these big companies have the resources to just say like, "Here is our studio. Here is our group of people that just makes new versions of old games." Yeah, and and the other thing that just kind of came to mind is that I think it's become more and more of a trend as we get further into the sort of the the current era of gaming, and I. I think part of that is also how games are designed and how games are programmed because when you are writing a game for the NES or the Super NES or even you know the PlayStation those games were written in lower level languages so you didn't really have as much of a game engine you may you might have had in the case of like the PlayStation 1 a sort of software development kit with a few kind of helper functions for graphics and sound, but that was generally it. So if you wanted to port your game to a newer console, like if you wanted to port a game from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2, you basically had to rewrite the whole thing from scratch. And there were exceptions like from NES to Super NES, but if you wanted to port your game from Super NES to PlayStation, and I know that there were some games, I think, that were that were sold yeah. both on PlayStation and Super Nintendo. Uh, like some of the Shin Megami Tensei games were like that. I think there were a couple other JRPGs that were like that. Yeah, there's like Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger came out as re-releases. Yeah, and I think the Mega Man X get Mega Man X3 was on PlayStation 1 and Super Nintendo as well. And in so many of those, like those were my understanding is that those would have to be complete rewrites from scratch. And now in sort of the more modern era, you know, 2000s and onward, especially 2010s and onward, we now have higher level coding languages that we're writing in or game engines that we're building on top of, which even if they require work, don't necessarily require you to rewrite the entire foundation from scratch. Like, I think I remember talking with a couple of my friends who do a little bit of reverse engineering and modding of certain games like the there was Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was a game made uh, programmed, I believe, by Koei Tecmo. And their engine has little bits and pieces and snippets of code that date back to the PS2 era because that was when the engine first started out. And so there's little snippets and little bits of the engine that have persisted all the way up through then, which is a testament, you know, not only of, yikes, they need to get a new engine because the game, like, <laughs> the game shows its age, like, it, it, it shows its age in many, many ways, and we, we believe that part of that maybe have to do with the engine. But, but it also shows that that engine, that foundation was able to be carried forward in some part all the way up to the Nintendo Switch. And I think that that plays a big part in why we see so many more reboots or re-releases or remakes of mm. games from that time period that are kind of like that. Like this Sonic Generations, I wouldn't be surprised if they still used the same foundation code base and then just upgraded it all and, you know, did some work on top of that. I do think we are also entering an era of 
game companies being held back by their legacy engines. Yes. Into a point where it's like it's really becoming like make or break. Like I feel like that's been a big thing with um Bethesda, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's been a lot of conversations like the, you're still using the same you're still you're still using the thing you used to make Skyrim. Yeah. And Skyrim was cool, but like video <laughs> games need to be able to do a lot more things now. Yep. Um, and like I've worked in big projects with big legacy code. I totally get the like, hey, we need to change this thing that we established like at the beginning of the company uh, and that we're still doing just because that's how we started it. And it's like, yeah, we all agree. But like that's a lot no of work wants to do it. Yeah, no one. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I I'm doing something like that in a hobbyist project. It's a um, it's a big it's a plug in for a, a like a space flight simulator and some of this pro this this project dates back to 2003 and so mm-hmm. some of that code has changed hands a dozen times and some of it is very clearly still the original code that was written in the early 2000s and it's terrifying like you can tell that it works and that it was probably the best that anybody could do at the time. But now that we have better tools and better techniques and more knowledge about how to do things, quote unquote, properly, which is obviously a very relative aspect and topic. Yeah. But it's just kind of terrifying to see, you know, just pointers being thrown around haphazardly and everything <laughs> like from a programming perspective, looking at that code scares me. <laughs> Just look at all those memory leaks. Yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> There's just fast. a boolean in in <laughs> every object that's called deletable, which is mm. can we delete this safely without causing a crash? And we have to assign that upon object creation based on the context mm. under which it was created. Yeah. Anyway. So do do any of you have like a one of these games, right, where, like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe-style, you know, re-release with extras that, like, comes to mind as, like, a really good example of that. All of the Pokemons up to Gen 7, I think. <laughs> like, the, the bonus versions? Yeah. That's a little bit different, though, because, like, I feel like a lot of these are, like, yeah, here's a remake evil. for the for the new, for, like, a new console, right? As opposed, Pokemon is a weird... People have tried to do the Pokemon thing, and it, it never goes well for anyone other than Pokemon. I feel yeah. Like. <laughs> That's because it's garbage, and no one should do it. But well, Pokemon, Pokemon doesn't even do it pass. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they do worse by making the DLC cost as much as the game. <laughs> I think better. that's a different problem. Um, I guess I had been thinking about, uh, I don't know if it really counts, Um. 2064 read-only memories the version that has voicing and so on Hmm. yeah that was i i really enjoyed seeing because i i played through the original version of that and then played through 2064 for the youtube channel and that was that was really cool seeing that not only was it just oh we added voice acting but oh they changed some of the artwork in the original that looked kind of jank or they added new dialogue and they added a new sort of post-game content and that was that was really neat uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say is that kind of a an oddball in that aspect is what I think of as is Sonic Adventure DX director's cut because right. that, you know, they added some new content when they ported it from the Dreamcast to the GameCube. And then, of course, that port got moved to other platforms. And it's funny to me that 
so many that there, there's a huge like community out there making mods for this game specifically to return it to looking like the Dreamcast version. <laughs> <laughs> like because they over they rewrote the entire kind of rendering and lighting engine um and then just in the process of porting it from Dreamcast to GameCube and then to modern platforms they introduced like a bunch of little small bugs and other issues and the the all of the lighting looks different a whole bunch of the texture work was changed and then of course the model work was changed and a lot of people just think that the Dreamcast version looks and sounds better from just, you know, almost, you know, from from an almost universal perspective. And I, I don't mean that universally everyone thinks this. I mean that the people that think the Dreamcast version looks better think it looks better in a holistic sense of, like, most of the graphics, a lot of the atmosphere, the lighting tricks that they used, and the models, etc. I, I, at least my understanding. And I just think that it's funny that now we have fan-made mods to take the expanded re-releases that are what's getting propagated forward to all the modern platforms to bring it back to what was the original <laughs> release version. <laughs> Yeah, that reminds me of, like, the, uh, there's, like, NES remakes, uh, fan remakes of, like, Mega Man 7 and Mega Man 8. I've, I feel like it's not exactly the same, right? Oh, but D-makes. it's a similar vibe. They're the D-makes. Oh, yeah. Um, but the, with Sonic Adventure, part of it, too, is that, like, it's funny that, like, the DX version is definitely, like, the culturally quintessential version because it was out on a platform, out on platforms that people owned. Yeah. Um, as opposed to being on the Dreamcast. Yes. Um, so, like... It's yeah, it's interesting in that sense too because like most people are going to know the director's cut edition because it came out on more platforms and you know the, the Dreamcast was a very niche console at the time. Mm-hmm. We're ready to talk about video games as in stark contrast to what we've been doing so far. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Jetty, I want yes. I want you to confirm a theory for me about video okay. games. Yeah. So James mentioned on Discord yeah, video that, James. Yes, video James. Yes. Uh, James mentioned on Discord uh, the Mario Picross on Game Boy. And I feel yeah. like the next day you started posting <laughs> pictures <laughs> of the Mario Picross Game Boy. And not just like yeah. one or two, like a lot. You just basically And I beat have it. to wonder, Jetty. Did yeah. you just start, like, did James just say, like, Picross? You're like, well, I mean, yeah. if there's Picross <laughs> on the Nintendo yeah. Switch on the Game Boy. Was it was it on the Nintendo Switch or was it? I I actually didn't even look. To tell you <laughs> Me neither. Um, I just <laughs> I hooked it up on my Super Game Boy because it has Super Game Boy support. Oh nice. Oh yeah. No. Um. I uh. I just downloaded a a, a ROM. You know. Um. Completely legal copy mm-hmm. of yeah. Mario's Picross. Yep. Um. It is yeah. funny. Um. Yeah. Like I I did just go and beat it in like. Like I beat all of the, um, I, I started with the normal Picross levels, um, and I beat them in eh, about two days, uh, and then uh, I talked to everybody about, it and they were like, "Well, what about the easy Picross?" 
And so I went back and I beat all of those in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of brought it up because I had figured that it, if you and Joe on the family game mornings were doing Mario Super Picross, I naturally just thought that, oh, of course, they, they must have started out by doing the Game Boy one and then they moved on to Super Picross because it seems like that's just generally more advanced. Yeah. Well, no, we, I mean, um, what... What started it for Family Game Morning was that you could do the multiplayer Picross, right. yeah. which was just such a funny concept. And I think it was yeah. good for those few streams. And then, like, at the very end of the last stream, it had gotten to the point where the Picross boards was, were hard enough yeah. that we just couldn't talk and do it at the same time. Yeah, I still <laughs> don't know how you guys are so good at that. I can't believe it. I just sit and play Picross all day. Like, I, yeah. I just went... like. The original game has um, 300 puzzles. Wow. And I've played that one twice. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know if you noticed my screenshot of the, uh, wow, great job. It's an L. Um, <laughs> that uh, out of the out of the 30 minutes that they gave me, um, I used, you know, four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I... Um, well, I mean, it was an L, Jetty. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's a no point where, like... There. There's there's a point where I just like know instantly. Okay, uh, you know five five blocks. That's just straight down, straight down. Okay, and then the rest mm-hmm. of them are right here. Yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, there's a point where I can just like see the numbers and be like, okay, that one goes all the way across the board. Um, you know mm-hmm. that one goes. You know, um, out of fifteen, a thirteen is going to be the five in the middle and the three on the yeah, sides, yeah. right? Like you just kind of know like immediately. Okay, an eight has the one in the center, right? Uh, a nine fills up the three in the center you just kind of get those rules and it's like, okay, blue, 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 but then, then, okay, well in the verticals, this is going to be, oh, the one, two, three, well, that clears that line. And then that means that this seven that I couldn't do anything with before I've blocked off these two. And that means that I can, you know, fill in two blocks over there. Like I've got the rules down so well that, yeah, um, I feel like you and I were on the same Picross level when we did those live streams, like in yeah. terms of our techniques, but I feel yeah. like you've, because you were showing me some ones where you're like, I think this is like impossible. And then later yeah. in your second playthrough, you're like, oh, no, I figured it out. And yeah. like, I didn't. So I think you <laughs> may have gotten a because like at a certain point with it, you get to the like that, you know, that like, I don't know, to me, it's a I've come across this logic puzzle a bunch. I don't know how like famous it is, but it's like, oh, you ask the logicians like you know, oh, how many of you have blue eyes? You don't know what color your eyes are. And like, they all talk to each other and somehow like by them all not knowing, they know that only one person has blue eyes or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so like the, it feels kind of like that where you have to like go down a couple levels, like almost recursively to start figuring certain things out. Like you enter like, okay, in the universe where this is the correct answer, what would that mean? And is the puzzle solvable? And then you like <laughs> go and try to figure that out. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't work. And then you go back and you're like, okay, well, what if I do, if I hit, if I were to hit this one, it were, were to be correct. How would that change the puzzle? And you go through that and you're like, oh, okay, it would look like this. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what you have to do. And that was the part that I couldn't quite get to. Yeah. There's some, um, like, there's the obvious ones, which is like what I was just discussing. Like, yeah. I know that, if you have a line that uh, you know is fifteen across and it has eight, then the center one's going to be filled. Like that one's right. just like I, I was guaranteed. At that level. Yeah, and um, the level above that that I finally got to is that <clears throat> it only works for very specific things. Where like if any of the border edges have like six or more, right, then you can tell 
where it goes, or at least you can tell where it doesn't go, right? Because you can say, okay, um, the edge has six, and then the next one has like three, three, three. But you can go and you can say, well, this section has four multiples in a row, right? So like it, it can't go there because then you would have more than three things touching. And since the next row only has threes, that you can't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this is very interesting. Yeah, for you no, to you know, to. it makes complete sense, Jetty. This description. <laughs> yeah, yeah for, for anyone who's You'll never seen to... Pit Cross before, they're going to have no idea. Yeah. I, I sort of get what you mean. <laughs> I, I shared screenshots with Joe once upon a time of like how this strategy works, but essentially you can tell where it doesn't go and you can kind of like guarantee, like, okay, well, it can't possibly be here. Um, so that narrows it down enough that now that I've marked off, uh, you know, four of these blocks, well, now I get, you know, two blocks of my six that I do know guaranteed it goes here. And then from there that fills in enough that I can like do another chunk of the puzzle the normal way and so on. Mm. So it's about the picks you don't cross. Yeah. Uh, it's like jazz. <laughs> um, okay. Jenny, did you do anything aside from Picross? Um, I want to say that I did, but I, like, my last <laughs> three days or whatever has just been me. I was doing the time trials, which I also showed. Yeah. You know? Um. You, I, I said, like, oh, you could do pre-cross speed runs, Jetty. And you were like, mm. no, no, I wouldn't. I'd never. This is like, that doesn't was... make any sense. And then you show this time trial leaderboard where you go from eight minute completion time to two minute completion yeah. time. I mean. It's um has to do with the puzzle, right? Because like uh the one puzzle that I got the two minutes on, it just happened to have like a fifteen in a row, in one spot. It's mm -hmm. like okay, th this is going to be the easy one. Because mm -hmm. um, apparently there are uh, sixty four time trial puzzles that they just give to you like arbitrarily. They don't like normally you can pick which puzzle you're going to do, but with the time trials ones, it's like well if you know which one you're going to do, then you know what the puzzle is going to be, and you can come back and just like you. Know, get it or whatever yeah um so they give them to you non-deterministically i was going to say something about that and i lost my train of thought but <laughs> the point is oh yeah i haven't done all of the time trial ones but i was going through them um that's the last thing that i have to do in the game currently i beat all of the normal i beat all of the easy ones i beat all of the normal picross ones yeah it's just kind of been what i've been doing the last few days <laughs> i can say sort of segueing off of that because uh, another thing I, I sent to you earlier was that I found out that I apparently own a video game called Pokemon Pacross because I was on my three I was just like kind of fiddling around on my 3DS menu after playing a little bit of Yoshi's Island DS um, which I've still been doing mm, yeah. um, and I was like wait a minute there are video games on here that I don't remember playing or purchasing <laughs> um, and I must have mm. like just downloaded them right before like, I got a Switch or something, and then just never... Like, there's Pokemon Yellow on there. I did not know that I owned a copy of Pokemon Yellow in any form, much less on my 3DS. Huh. Um, but there's another one called Pokemon Picross, which, thankfully, I looked up. I haven't done it yet, but I looked up. I was like, can you still download games that you've already, mm -hmm. quote-unquote, purchased from the 3DS mm -hmm. eShop? Because apparently I didn't do that. Um, it says I can. So, I think we'll in... see, because I also apparently... I think in unloaded uh some of my uh ambassador program games and 
So I'll those. see if I can get those back on there. Because they're going to be um, shutting down all services for 3DS at some point. I don't know if it's in. At some I don't point. know if it's this March or if it's next year. But Nintendo I has. Think reading it, it was next year, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so, but at some point, uh, so that is I'm no longer going to be possible. Yeah. So I'm going to get like because I've got like I, I'm pretty sure what I did is that like I didn't have enough memory, and so I just like you know unloaded the memory for some of them. Um, but like two of the games that are downloaded on there right now are Mega Man One and Mega Man Six. I'm like, I don't need to be able to play these on my 3DS, <laughs> so I can unload that. I don't know how much memory I'll get back for that because the ones that I unloaded were like Game Boy Advance games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I can I can probably just unload all the NES ones because it's the Game Boy ones that I think are the the more interesting to have. Like your Metroid Fusion, and I played Metroid Fusion through the Ambassador program. I played WarioWare 4. Wario those Land are, 4? Ones that stick in. Yeah, Wario Land oh, okay. 4. Those are the ones that I remember. Anyway, I played a little bit of Yoshi's Island DS. It's still fun. It's still, like, slightly more awkward. The baby, like, just having to pr- hold a button to run. Like, that's honestly, like, my one of my favorite things about regular Yoshi's Island is that you don't have to hold a button to play the video game. Yeah. Like, you have to do with a lot of Mario games where you just have to hold a button. Yeah. And... When I work in typing all day, I get a lot of tension in my shoulders, and it's kind of a pain to have to press a button down after a long day of pressing keys on a keyboard and holding a mouse with that same arm and that same trapezius muscle. So um, that's a little because you have to if you're if you have the baby Mario baby, you have to hold B to run. But then also, or not B, it's the whatever the the button is. but then also, if you have to use any of the other babies, then, like, you go slow. It's like, well, then this isn't fun either. <laughs> um, but aside from that, like, the game is still mostly just, like, yeah, Yoshi's Island. Also, the screens. I remember really enjoying the fact that you could, like, use the two screens to see more. But most of the time, there's only one screen's worth of content. And the way that they kind of handle the screen switching sort of makes some of the views awkward, right? Like... It sort of reminds me of, like, when we first got 3D cameras in video games and they couldn't really figure out, like, where to put it. And now, like, games are a lot better about, like, automatically putting the camera in a place that, like, makes sense for what you're doing, Mm -hmm. even if you can't adjust it. And so there's a little bit of that where it's like, I feel like you could have set the default for where the camera goes in more interesting places. And a lot of the time that second screen is really not giving you any extra information. Kind of reminds me of Sonic Rush on DS. I think that... I think, yeah, I remember that, too. Did I share the thing that was like, uh, what if the original Mario Kart had the Resident Evil static cameras? I've seen that. I love it because I I love... You did not share it. Put it in the Discord. I love that Use it to advertise people to go to the Discord. Yeah, go to the Discord to to see this. It's... I love it, and I... Like, from a sense of, oh, that's amazing that somebody could do that and i love that aesthetic from the resident evil games but also i had a hard enough time playing that for the 2022 tack or uh, was it 2022 or 2023 i can't remember but the most recent tack live stream and i i had a heck of a fun time playing super mario kart but good grief going around turns in that game is already hard enough with a camera that stays <laughs> behind you yeah did people think that the original Mario Kart was was that like revolutionary to them, or what? Did it really take until Mario Kart sixty four for them to kind of like nail it? Because I feel like Mario Kart sixty four feels like 
what the first Mario Kart game should feel like. Yeah. And Mario Kart on the SNES feels like a prototype. It, like a beta prototype yeah, of Mario Kart. It kind of does to me, but I also didn't grow up with it, so... Yeah, no, I already posted this, Joe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't... I, I missed, missed it then. Well, you can find it. Go to the Game Cola <laughs> Discord. You can find it and see for yourself. Yeah, it's Definitely in the off-topic channel. Try to look up it. Definitely and don't try to just look it up on YouTube on your own. Come to the Discord and click yeah. on the YouTube link from the Discord. It's um, a Twitter link, but oh, you know. okay. and and you can search for it. where I said I already posted this Joe in the off-topic channel. <laughs> um, James, what video games have you been playing in recent times? Uh, the main video game that I've been playing in recent times, uh, while waiting for Persona Three Reload to come out, which comes out uh, to date this podcast uh, in less than an hour, and I'm very excited. Uh, I have been playing. The game uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is kind of a weird, strange name because it's a game in the series that's called the Yakuza series, but has the the Japanese name is Ryuga Gotoku, which is like a dragon. And so this is the seventh game in that series. And they decided that for this game, because it was kind of a reboot of the series in sort of a way. Uh, that they were going to call it Yakuza Like a Dragon. So they've taken the literal translation of the Japanese name, well, not literal translation, but the translation of the Japanese name and the Western name and just stuck them together and completely eliminated the seven. <laughs> so it's complicated. But uh, my favorite way that this game has been described in terms of gameplay is Dragon Quest for Adults. Which I think is like, hilarious because, but like for adults in that like in the sausage party. No, like... in the sense of like it's a very <laughs> gritty, mature game with like kind of a which is simultaneously. So the Yakuza series is known for having really intense, deep, gritty storylines, and also being interspersed with completely goofball, wacky, nonsensical, <laughs> hilarious side content. And yeah. it's this weird kind of balance that doesn't make any sense working, but that it kind of does, and it's amazing. Um, and when, I, when we say Dragon Quest, we literally mean actual Dragon Quest because they got permission from Square to mm. use the Dragon Quest name. Like, mm -hmm. they name-drop Dragon Quest because the main character of this game, who's a brand-new character, the previous Yakuza games have all followed the story of a character whose name is uh, Kazuma Kiryu. This new character, his name is Ichiban Kasuga. And mm -hmm. he is, in-universe, a massive Dragon Quest fan. To the point that the in-game battle system has gone from the series' staple battle system of 3D brawler beat-em-up to turn-based RPG. All because... That's good, they're moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all because the main character is yeah, a Yeah, take that, pal world. <laughs> JRPGs are the best way to make a video yeah. game. None of, this, none of this survival crap. Yeah. Go back to my turns and base. <laughs> so it's, it's a really good game. Like, again, the story is very, very in depth it's very gritty it's very kind of it's it's a really good story fantastic writing um 
I I would I would personally recommend to play the Japanese dub because the the producers and even the localizers have said they they this is the first game in the series since the very uh, original game to have an English dub at all because the series producers kind of said that they wanted playing this game to be a bit like watching a foreign movie. Mm. And and that is kind of the experience that you get, and I it lends some authenticity to it to hear it in the original language, I think. But this game does uh, have a, a pretty darn good English dub, and so you can listen to it however you like. But I I really like the uh, the Japanese dubs for these games because I I just feel like they're very entrenched in Japan and Japanese culture and everything. Um, but they're they're really good games. They're obviously they're very violent, of course, and very gritty. Uh, so you need to be prepared for that. So if that's not your kind of game, then you know maybe it's not for you. But the the stories are very 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 good, and the gameplay is fun. It's really really goofy. Like for example, you're um when you start out in the game, you've basically been robbed of all your your stuff, your possessions, your money, and so you start out living in uh, a homeless encampment in uh a in Yokohama, Japan, and the starting enemies that you fight are just like random you know, thugs on the street, but occasionally they're like, you know, aggressive homeless people. And for example, all of the enemies have goofy names, kind of like they do in Dragon Quest, such as one of my favorite games, or one of my favorite names, the Hungry Hungry Homeless. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, I, I, I want to reiterate that, like, this game actually does, like, that sounds like it's making light of, you know, homelessness and stuff, and I would like to just, you know, with that name, it... it the game actually has a very interesting and nuanced take on a lot of societal problems in Japan, actually. And it it, it has a really it, – it deals with a lot of delicate subjects in very interesting ways and I, I think very respectful ways. So while I do – like some of the things poke fun at that, that is one enemy out of hundreds – I just, they all have goofy names, and that's the first one that comes out to me because, you know, Hungry Hungry Hippos is a game that I played a lot as a child. So don't let that, you, maybe that colors uh, people's perspective on what kind of things they're doing, but, like, there's uh, all sorts of really, really funny enemy names. So anyway, but that's that's the game I've been playing, and I just beat it, and it was very good. Nice. Blue, have you been playing anything other than Power World? I have been playing Robotics Notes Elite, which is the one that comes after Steins Gate. Mm. And I haven't finished it yet, uh, but it's the first, like, of the, when they start to get longer, but it's also the most lighthearted so far. Steins Gate so. wasn't long? What? Steins Gate wasn't... You, you said that's the one of the first one that starts to get longer. You mean Steins Gate wasn't long? No, that's one of the shorter ones in the series, apparently. I I haven't actually finished that game yet, but I felt like that game was took... Maybe it was just the pacing. That game felt like it was taking forever. The pacing is a little weird. Yeah, maybe. But uh, it, it, the pacing in that one is way better than the pacing in Chaos Head. So... <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> I think I remember you mentioning that, yeah. <laughs> Apparently I mention it every episode. Is <laughs> now a thing. Um, yeah, it's been 
Uh, I'm just, I'm getting to the part where they're, the weird stuff's really starting to kick off, and it's, it's, it's been good so far. Good to hear. Nice. Well, I think that about does it for us on this episode of the Game Cola Podcast. If you like what you heard, please check us out on our actual internet website, GameCola.net, or our YouTube channel, GC.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net, for more podcasts, more videos, more stuff. Um, calls to action, the Discord, come to the Discord. You can find it linked on GameCola.net or in the YouTube description. Uh, there's invite link. You can come find the video that Jetty was talking about. Um, another thing, if you're listening on Spotify, rate us five stars if you like the podcast. And if you made it this far, you like the podcast. There's a little five stars thing. I saw it on Spotify when I was checking to see why it took like half an hour for the podcast to show up on Spotify compared to other places. I don't know why that happens. It's weird. I think Spotify might not just like us. So you have to fight Spotify for us. Mm-hmm. Rate us five stars. If you if you want to rate us five stars, which if you made it to the end of the podcast, I I have trouble seeing why. I don't actually like this podcast very much, but I listen to the end of every episode. <laughs> I gotta hear that coda. <laughs> if you um if you listen to us on uh YouTube, you should go to our channel and then go to the community tab and then answer <laughs> uh what elements are most important to you when looking for a new game. Uh, the number one response, challenging gameplay. Mm. Number two, helium. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to see this. Helium is uh, the number two most important element when looking for a game. Hmm. I'm so glad that you've joined me in creating these polls, Jay. Yeah, what, what are you talking about, Joseph? <laughs> I Oh yeah, sorry. I make I make all the polls. They're all me. I I don't know how no, you Jay, guys you've come had some with bangers. These. I don't know how you come up <laughs> you've with had, these. You've had a lot of bangers. You guys. How... Getting, I feel like I've I've I don't have nearly as many rocking around here. I had a period where I was just churning oh, yeah. them out and I just yeah. can't I've Every run once out of while... am I good at? Every once in a while, one just comes to me like, um, it was like 2 a.m. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to come and like schedule a post. Would you ever game Cole a dot net? <laughs> you asked that as if that, like, I haven't already. <laughs> I don't know if these community polls actually affect our channel in any way, but they are yeah. a very fun aspect of having a YouTube well, channel. Yeah. It is interesting because, like, uh, are your parents gamers? That one got a lot of votes. Like, in comparison, it got, like, almost double the average amount of votes. Yeah. Well, no, you have to do ones that are, like, very, like, general. I found out, like, if you ask about, like, specific video games, it won't get as much. But if you ask about, like, just, like, video games, question mark, you'll get, like, 100 responses. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is when, like, I add an option that's, like, who are you and why are you on my homepage feed? And it gets, like, 60% of the votes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who are you and why do you the emeralds? Who are you and how do you know my name? (laughs) Wow, how do you feel about Square Enix? That one got a lot of votes. Oh, yeah. Be- no, I'm, I'm like looking at the ones that are like weirdly a lot of votes. Um, <laughs> I prefer Round Enix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one I think was was me, right? That one was, 
I feel um, like that was one of mine. I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, I prefer. Oh, yeah, I prefer Round Enix. I prefer Square Phoenix, Right Ace Attorney. No, I think that one was me because I remember the. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, because I remember coming up with. I think the thing is, is that like again, it was like eleven thirty. I'm getting ready for bed, <laughs> and I'm just like, "What about Round Enix?" Yeah. <laughs> And then from there, I just kind of like built an entire yeah. pool. And then for whatever reason, it got 42 votes. Wow. <laughs> Which I don't know if that impresses the listeners. Whew. I'm impressed. 42 <laughs> votes. 42 individual people voted, voted on this poll. That's wild. I think it. 42 people chose to interact with something. Like, to be fair, those YouTube shorts have skewed the numbers a bit now. Yeah. Uh, the successful numbers, because those YouTube shorts went... People are still watching Samus celebrate the new year. <laughs> I was... <laughs> it's been so long. I, I still love that. It's like, I still love what I said in the Discord of, you know, clearly this was all for our fault for not taking it down after 24 hours. We must be confusing yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, it's just been New Year's every single day. I don't know what's going on. For someone, every day it's a New Year for someone, apparently. Yeah. It is for YouTube, anyway. It is for the algorithm. The algorithm says, oh, yeah, New Year's. Recommend. It's so funny, too, because we get comments still that are like, this is great. Thanks. Like... Just not going to acknowledge that you're watching a Happy New Year video. I love that people say thanks for a New Year's short. Like, what? What are you thank? What? What specifically are you thanking us for? Is it? Do you think it's funny? Is it Super Metroid related? And you like Super Metroid? Like, what? What part of this are you thanking us for? How did you get here? How did you get here? Who are you? And why are you in my feed? Why are you the emeralds? Who are you? And why are you the emeralds? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> um. That's a hacks and slash reference. One of yep. the many podcasts you can find on our YouTube channel or on Spotify or on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts or on probably a Google podcast thing, whatever that exists. If that even exists now, people keep closing their podcast things. Mm-hmm. I don't understand yeah. it. You can always go to the website, gamecola.net. Mm-hmm. We should end the podcast now. We've been rambling in the sh- in the uh, <laughs> in the calls to action for a while. True. Thank you. For listening to this episode of the Game Call Podcast. Have a wonderful time of day, wherever it is, whenever it is you are listening to this podcast, and we will see you next month. Goodbye. Bye. You turn on your microphone, so uh, <laughs> so yes. you had something to say. Um, no, I think I was going to make a joke, but now the time's passed. Oh, oh no, it. and I yeah. called you out. So no, now everybody right. knows. Oh, no. Yeah.